Over the last year and a half, navigating life has been difficult for most. How to stay connected with people, how to stay healthy, and now whether or not to get the vaccine. As a parent, making the right decisions for you and your family are never easy. But during a global pandemic, those decisions have an added weight. As a mom of three, a writer, and a grad school student, Leslie Miller's personal experience of watching her husband and son both battle cancer has pushed her to continue to educate about vaccines, their efficacy, and the need for truly loving your neighbor. This is We Need to Talk Motherhood, part two. So Leslie, thank you for being on the show. I'm very excited for you to share your journey with motherhood and your story. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. You you do a lot, and I <laughs> I am aligned with that because I do a lot as well. But you are a wife, you're a mom of three kids, you're a writer, and you are in grad school. So how do you juggle all of those things, being present for your family, but also making time for something that you want to pursue? Ooh, that's a that's a tough question <laughs> I, because um, every year has looked so different since having kids. Yeah. And as you know, it's uh, as kids change and as they grow, the demands change and grow. And um, my life has looked different every year of their childhood. Uh, but I'm definitely in my a new season for me, which is that my kids all just went to school for the first time. My oh, youngest wow. is in kindergarten. So that has allowed for a lot more flexibility. So the grad school thing is, is recent and only possible because they're in school. And, yeah. um, in other years, a lot of juggling with, um, especially as a freelancer, trying to figure out how to, to pay for childcare while mm -hmm. not making consistent income, depending on what jobs are coming in. And so yeah. some years it was staying up really late at night to work on things and then burning out from that and pulling back and staying home with my kids and not working. And, um, it's just kind of been, every year has looked a little different. Yeah, I imagine. So was it always in the back of your mind that when your youngest went to kindergarten, that you were going to make that step to go to grad school, because it's something that you really wanted to do? Um, grad, no grad school was a little bit of a surprise, but, ah. um, I, I knew that I wanted to go back to working part-time to full-time once my youngest was in kindergarten. And really, I think taking little steps over the last 10 years of staying in the workforce, sometimes more hours than others, but at least keeping a foot in the door um, mm -hmm. allowed me to stay in touch with my passions. And I think yeah. that's what I advocate for, for all moms is whether you work or stay home or do a combination of both to pay attention to what you love and what you're passionate about and where your giftings are so that when things do change as they inevitably do with kids and you may have more time or more flexibility that you know kind of the direction that you at least want to take to get back for into sure. the workforce. And what are the age gaps between your kids? They are 10, eight and five. So oh, within, wow. within five years. So yeah. And how's the dynamic between them, especially since you've been home during the pandemic, how is that with those age ranges? It's fun. We, I had all three of them home all of last year, the last 18 months homeschooling them. And I would say it was a combination of a love hate affair of, of having them all home. <laughs> and I thought that I would really miss having them home just because I got mm. used to it. And there are aspects that I certainly miss, but I'm also really loving it. And, um, I think they really enjoyed having each other's company too in yeah. a year that there was just a lot less in terms of kids getting to connect. It was sweet to watch them grow in their relationships oh. with each other. 
I love that. And they're all now back at school. And how has that experience been for them going back to school after having been away for the last year? It's been really mixed, to be honest. Our younger two, our boys have loved it and are really thriving. Uh, our, our middle was at school originally and, and left and then went back. Our youngest, it's his first time there. So he's mm. so excited to experience yeah. school. And then for our oldest, it's been a much harder transition to go back. Uh, for a variety of reasons, but that caught me a little bit off guard. And mm. I think that's probably the case for many families that it's just been, our, our older kids have gone through a lot in terms of changing and having to adapt. And, um, for her, it's, it's been a little bit of a lonely year. She's watched mm. some friends leave to go to private school. A lot of families chose to do that because they, you know, could get their kids educated when school public schools were closed. So for her, her friend dynamic looks different now yeah. and that's a change. So, uh, it's been an adjustment. What were conversations like in your household while this was all going on to get your kids to a level of understanding what was happening in the world? Oh, that's a good question. I think that we tend to take the approach with our kids of an appropriate amount of honesty as to what's going on in the world while also doing so in really age appropriate ways, because kids can sometimes find things scary that adults don't find scary or that yeah. we can reason with a little bit more than they do. And because our family has gone through hard things, which I'm sure we'll talk about, we have just found that laying things out in as much age appropriate language as possible and not shying away from the hard ends up being in the long term a way to connect us for them to build trust as their parents that we we will tell them the truth and um, allow them to work through their fears in a really open way. So yeah. we, we were pretty upfront from the beginning as to what was going on with the pandemic and why we were choosing to stay home and had a lot of hard conversations over the way too, that our family sometimes made choices that were different from other families and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And you mentioned those hard times and we are going to, that's a bulk of the journey that I want you to share with my listeners, your son and your husband were both diagnosed with cancer. And I can only imagine how debilitating that must have been for you as a mother, but as a wife and a partner to have to deal with. So I'd love for you, as much as you feel comfortable sharing, just kind of going through what the timeline was like when they were both diagnosed and then how you just went through that journey and you know kept your, your family close together and how you guys came out of that as well. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I think I'm um, part of, of, you know, to go back to the beginning part of my journey as a mom, uh, figuring out how much I'm going to work and when I'm going to work has also really revolved around our family's health history and some different crises between my husband and son and then pandemic that there are just things in life that happen that can be very unexpected and can really impact the course of, you know, a, a family's future and, um, a woman and man and woman's career, but a lot of times a woman's career. Yeah. So for us, um, my, my daughter was born 10 years ago. My husband was very unexpectedly diagnosed with cancer a few, a few months later and, and cancer, the diagnosis of cancer is always unexpected, but especially when you're younger, it can really be shocking. And he it was, and, and fortunately still is relatively healthy and didn't have risk factors. Um, but he, he had Hodgkin's lymphoma which is in the blood system. And so he went through treatment for that cancer for her, most of her first year of life. And so that required both of us to really shift what career looked like. He worked through cancer for the most part. And I 
didn't and stayed home with her. And, um, we all kind of just took care of each other and it was really hard. And also, uh, an incredible bonding experience, I think mm-hmm. for all of us of seeing where our priorities were and what was important to us. Sure. So we, that ended or his, he finished treatment in 2012. And I think our greatest fear was that his cancer would return. And beyond that, we never thought that it could happen to one of our children. And then, um, our son, when he was, uh, newly five years old, um, also received a cancer diagnosis that also was completely shocking. And, um, you know, one of our greatest fears as parents, as any parent. So his cancer is surprisingly unrelated to my husband's. They're not connected at all, as far as we know now and, um, kidney cancer. And so he went through treatment for about the same length of time that my husband did for, for about nine months and involved a ton of chemotherapy and radiation and surgeries and all the things and, um, finished that. And then pandemic started about nine months after he finished treatment. So mm-hmm. we've, we've kind of gone just through different seasons of having to stay close to home, have to prioritize our health, have to make decisions for our family that might look different than other families because of, of their health histories. Where did you look for support during both of those moments in your life when your husband was diagnosed and then when your son was diagnosed? Yeah. Um, I think support came in a lot of different ways. Um, we are Christians. We love Jesus. That was our first, our first mode and method was to turn to him. I like to tell people, um, that I think sometimes people have an idea of what that looks like for me (laughs) at the beginning of both. It's like a lot of yelling at Jesus, um, and just being really mad. (laughs) So I I learned, um, I know what they look like. Trust me. (laughs) I I like to just give people permission because, you know, somebody is listening to this. Yeah. That's going through a hard time. Probably a lot of people. And, um, I think we can be, we can be very real with God in terms of what we think about our lives sometimes. And, So that was, that was the biggest thing was, um, a hope in something greater than this life. And I think a lot of times hope and love shows up through people and God fills his love into people and into us. And so that is what, what really got us through was the love of community and everything from the basics of bringing meals to just the people that were willing to have the hard conversations, to be the listening ear and to let us vent and be real. You recently posted a a series of Instagram stories, which really I was drawn to um, talking about your views on vaccines, which we know has been, and it shouldn't really be, but it's been a huge hot topic and it's been a point of contention for a lot of people in the last year. You know, obviously going into the pandemic, you're unsure of where it's going to lead, what's going to happen when there is going to be a vaccine. And now that there is one, people are skeptical. And, you know, I'm I'm all for people wanting to be curious and do their research and, and do what's best for them and their families. But I'd love for you to share, because you, you said something that I really, really admired and um, agreed with and aligned with, that you respected the views of anti-vaxxers. You just simply disagreed with them. And, and I love that because you, your whole story, you approached it with so much grace and understanding, but also with facts and the reality of your situation of why you are pushing for people to get this vaccine. So without having you, of course, you know, retell the entire mm-hmm. story, I would just love for you to share your perspective on why it's so important, specifically because of your family's health history, for people to really do their research and look into getting the vaccine. Sure. 
Um, I think that anybody that's gone through um, an illness of any kind, but especially cancer tends to get a lot of opinions and advice along the way, especially at, at early diagnosis of a lot of times from people that really know nothing about the disease. So I, I learned very early on, I learned 10 years ago that there are a lot of people who believe themselves to be experts on things that they actually don't know a whole lot about. And we are all at risk of being those people, right? Like we all have the tendency to be prideful people. I will raise my hand, um, that, that, that can be my tendency. So I'm not trying to point fingers, but, but rather just point out the, the truth, which is that we all think we know more than we probably do. And when it comes to cancer, a lot of, what a lot of people don't understand is you go through chemo and it just wipes out your immune system. Mm-hmm. It wipes it out completely. My husband had no immune system. We had, we had shots in our refrigerator that I had to put in his arm to get his immune system up high enough that he could have more chemo. Mm. And without those shots, he wouldn't have an immune system. Then if he were to catch anything, he'd be in the hospital. Yeah. Even a cold. Unfortunately, he didn't. We kept him yeah. safe. We stayed home. We did all the things that we've been yeah. doing the last year and a half to not get sick. And thousands of people are doing that all over the country, all over the world, millions of people all over the world when they have cancer. And so we face that again with our son of having to, to learn how infection works and how to keep ourselves safe. And despite all the things that we did during those times, we still were relying on other people to do what they needed to do to stay away from us when they were sick so that our son wouldn't, wouldn't get even more sick than he already was. So my perspective comes from a place of really seeing how other people's choices can impact those that are already going through something really hard. So while our family isn't in the middle of cancer at this moment, um, we have gone through really hard things and my husband and son's bodies are different as a result of that. And we're relying on other people to make decisions to help us out. And so my perspective comes from that place. Um, But I think I've also learned that my tendency is to want to, you know, tell people what I think and to tell people that they're wrong, but it never goes well when I, when I go about things that way. And so I, I really, my, my hope is that by sharing our story, that people would just be willing to people that aren't, aren't vaccinated yet would be willing to look at another perspective and be willing to see that there are very real people, including really innocent people, children, and not just kids like my son, but kids all over the country that are going to school every single day that, um, don't have access to a vaccine and, and us getting vaccinated is protecting them. So, um, I I think that's, that was the root of where that Instagram story started from really. When you've heard, you know, arguments against getting the vaccine and you have engaged in conversations, how have you tried to show grace to the person on the opposite side of you? Um, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> cause I know it's a hard thing to do because let's just admit it. These, you know, these conversations can get heated and they can yeah. get very frustrating and you just want to, you know, browbeat somebody like, why don't you understand it? And I get, it. I try to show grace, but sometimes, you know, we just don't, you know, yeah. you're trying to walk in that way. So how do you try to, to show grace, even when you're getting frustrated or somebody's just not listening? Yeah. I think I try to, to really remember that where the root of where people are coming from and with this specific example of not getting vaccinated, I truly believe is a place of fear. Mm. And a lot of us make decisions out of fear and I try not to, but I think a lot of us have a tendency to have that be the root of, of why we make certain decisions. And so when people are choosing to not get vaccinated, I think it, it, and, and some people's fear is greater than others, 
but I think it comes down to an uncertainty that, that they themselves could be harmed by a vaccine. And I have that same fear for myself and my children that my, my kids or my husband will get COVID and they will be harmed. And so we actually are coming from the same place of having a fear that our bodies are not going to behave the way that we want them to. And when I remember that, then having grace is easier. And when it doesn't come easily, I think I have to, the the internal Leslie (laughs) that wants to say certain things has to just take a step back and say, if I'm not able to offer grace yet, or if I'm not able to to offer a calm conversation yet, then I have to try to get to that place before I can really engage. And there are certain people that I just really can't engage with. Um, and especially in like the internet space and we don't have to, a lot of times we have the choice whether we're going to engage or not. And we don't have to. That is true. It's also about protecting your mental health (laughs) Yes, because you can go a little crazy going back and forth with people there. I do have a limit for myself. You know, there's a certain amount of, of back and forth that I'll do before I realize, okay, this person is beyond reach, then, you know, Mm -hmm. God bless you. I have to move on, but I do try my best to engage in, in a, in a polite way and in an understanding way and wanting to hear other perspectives. Because what I've also realized is that a lot of people that are buying into the, the misinformation and the lies about the vaccines and, you know, effects and all of that stuff, the people that they're listening to, they don't believe that they're lying to them because they've put so much trust into them for such a long time that it's hard for them to believe, well, why would this person that I've either been watching on TV for so long or that has been in my family for this long, why would they lie to me, right? So it's hard to get them to see like, hey, this is actually a credible source. This is something that you need to look into. So when we are talking about credible and reliable sources, what would you recommend for people to read and trust? Like what have you turned to for for this time? Well, two things before I answer your question, I want to say I, what you just said was really beautiful. And I think a reminder that when I am asked, like, why do you keep, why do you keep posting things on Instagram or why is it important to you that you that you write about vaccines or your opinions on what's going on in Iraq or, or what not. I think it's because I realize there are certain people in my circles that trust me, that we have a relationship, that they have come to me for marriage advice, that they have listened to me on a podcast before and resonated with what I've said, or that they've read my writing. And as a result, I might be that person that they trust and it, it, and maybe the other person they trust is a talk radio host that I disagree with, but, but maybe I'm that person for them. And so, um, that's what takes, takes me back to, to doing it, um, and continuing to post my opinions is the hope that, that I might be that person for someone. Um, so and then with that, I think there's, there have been a couple different news sources this year that I've really appreciated. I admittedly, I'm someone that, that loves old school media and I read the New York times and I love the Washington post. I think those are both great outlets. Yeah. I know that there are many conservatives who disagree. And so I always want to follow that up by saying they're not the only place they're, they're not the only thing I, I read the only place that I pay attention to. I like some of these nonpartisan opinion and news sites that have popped up recently that really lay out both sides in the same place. So the tangle has been one that I've loved over Mm. the last couple months. Um, smart, her news is a, is a newer one that I think maybe leans a little bit more conservative. I think the reporting's great though. Uh, the blind spot report is great. That lays Mm -hmm. out 
every week it'll show top headlines based from both conservative and liberal news sources and how they cover the same story in different ways. So I think that if you are trying to read widely and look at some of those sites and paying attention to, you know, it's okay to read the New York times. If you're also balancing that out with some other reporting and you'll, yeah. you'll get the full story. And I know there are a lot of people who will say, you just won't, you know, all of it's bad. And I just, I have to respectfully disagree. I think yeah. we've got a lot of great reporters who, um, have put their lives on the line to, to give us the news. And I'm so grateful for that. That's Absolutely. such an important part of our democracy. Yeah. I think we don't give the journalists and the reporters that are really, really passionate about sharing news and sharing facts enough credit because unfortunately, sometimes those other news sources are the loudest ones in the room. So they're the yes. ones that get the most attention. I actually really love BBC because it's so detached from America that it's mm -hmm. legitimately just reporting the facts. They're like, this is what's happening in America, you know, <laughs> yeah. kind <of> situation, which <laughs> yeah. I love. I love that attitude. Um, I do want to backtrack a little bit um, and talk to you about just from a faith standpoint. You know, what are you hoping that other Christians open their eyes to, especially the ones that are against getting this vaccine? I, I think the, the biggest frustration piece for me with Christians who are not getting the vaccine is that my observation has been that they're also not willing to do anything else. Mm. So many of them, and, and not, not all, but many will not wear a mask, will not distance, will not get the vaccine, do not believe that testing it as a backup option is, is good. So if, what is the solution then? Right. Give me a solution. Um, as Christians, what are we for? Why do we just have to be against everything? What are we for? So if you um, don't believe in the vaccine, tell me what you are going to do, because I need my kids to be able to safely go to school yeah. and I need to be able to move forward. We all do. So I think that, um, that's one of my biggest questions and, and, and then simply like, what, what does it really look like to love our neighbor? And I know that question has been asked, but I'm afraid that there are a lot of Christians who, who almost plug their ears when the question's asked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it's been said so often that, that nobody's listening anymore. They're desensitized. They're desensitized, but it should be, it is the most important question of the Bible. Do you love God more than anything else? followed very closely and quickly by, do you love your neighbor? Yeah. Those two things are not separate. They go hand in hand. So if you love God and you're telling me that you do, then you better tell me how you're going to love your neighbor. And yeah. right now there are many Christians that do not feel loved by other Christians. And there are many people in this world that do not feel loved by Christians. And the worst thing of all, the worst thing, worse than, than a society dying off from COVID because we didn't get vaccinated is a society in America that don't believe in Jesus because Christians have portrayed him wrongly and poorly. Yeah. Yep. So if you have Christians in your life that you're disgusted by, they're not showing you the real Jesus yeah. and that the real Jesus is for you, loves you and wants this, this, uh, pandemic to end just as much as we all do. <laughs> so he's over it. <laughs> he's over it. We all are. That's been one of the saddest things for me. And again, you know, people have their different beliefs or different faith and it's, you choose what works for you. But the people that I've seen walk away from the church and give up on God and give up on Jesus's teachings, it's due to people. And that's yeah. what always breaks my heart. Because if you take the time to just be in your solitude and, and devote yourself to the word and then focus on that personal relationship, you'll realize that it's all people and it's yeah. not God. It's not God. It's all people that are ruining the image. So I'm glad that you 
have come to that realization too. And you're, the way that you're leading and the way that you're presenting yourself, you're doing what Jesus would do. So, and that's what we also have to go back to. It's the love of the neighbor, but it's also like, what would Jesus do, right? right? What would he actually do? Look at what he did do. And then we would know what he would do in modern day. He would, you know, he would be getting that vaccine. He'd be wearing a mask. He'd be yes. protecting people because that's the whole ethos of his entire existence, right? Yes. I'm like, he died on a cross for us. He literally gave his body up. I think he'd get a vaccine and wear a mask. It's like, that's not hard in comparison. <laughs> right. We were like, I saw a pastor that said, if you think that, you know, wearing a mask or getting vaccines is about personal freedoms or something like that, it's like, you've deeply misunderstood what the point of the cross was. Yeah. And I loved how he stated that. It was so beautiful. You know, Moving forward and talking, continuing to talk about your faith, going from, you know, having to deal with cancer with your husband and your son, and then going through this pandemic, and then trying to convince other people to care about others. What have you learned about your personal faith journey? Mm. That is, um, I mean, the most beautiful part of the last couple of years has been that my own faith has grown and changed so much despite going through pain. And I think a lot of times that is the case. You go yeah. through pain, you have to turn to something or someone. I turned to Jesus. He's totally, completely changed my life. And I, I continue to just be struck by this idea that the kingdom of God is not just for later. It's now Mm. the kingdom of Mm. God is here on earth now. And I'm so grateful that I can say that because a lot of earth is really messed up and really broken and really painful. And cancer is horrible and watching your child suffer is horrible. So the kingdom of of heaven here on earth is not here yet, but, Mm. but it is here. Like it's not yet fully here, but it is here. And that means that we have access to peace and joy, and we don't have to live in our trauma and our brokenness and that God is present with us now and will be even more present with us later. Um, but I'm, I'm so grateful that he's met me here and, um, that, that he's made himself available to me in, in the pain and suffering and that I don't have to wait till, till heaven, but that it's now in the last year and a half, since you've been with your family so much, what have you learned about your husband or your kids that maybe you didn't know before. And then Mm. having spent so much time with them, you realized, Oh, I didn't know that about you. Or Oh no, I'm seeing this aspect of your personality. Mm. I, this has been a real year of, of healing for our family. And I, I'm really grateful if you, I always think it's great to look for the things we can be grateful for even in hard times. And it, being home allowed us the space to do some healing that really needed to happen over the last several years, um, for my husband, for his own trauma of going through cancer that he didn't, couldn't deal with at the time, but that resurfaced when my, when my son went through it, he did a lot of work over this last year and a half of seeing a counselor of sharing with me what that has looked like of me being able to push into hard questions with him, um, for us being able to then take what we've learned from that and try to walk through some of our son's trauma and so I think as a family, we, um, we've really prioritized not shying away from, from some of the hard things, pushing into them. And I'm so thankful for just the ability to do that, that our life was, was too busy before it slowed yeah. down enough that we could yeah. make it a priority. I think that that is definitely one of the things that I took for granted before. And now I appreciate it just being able to have the time with my family. And, and I've said this before on the podcast, but, you know, cause I gave birth to Sienna 
two weeks before the stay-at-home order, two weeks after the stay-at-home order was. So we've been home this entire time. And in normal circumstances, just with my schedule and my husband's schedule, we would not have had this time. So that, to me, is what the true blessing was, of just being able to have this unbreakable connection with her, the three of us that we would not have had. And I'm so grateful for it. My parents also, they live four minutes away. So even though John's parents haven't been able to spend as much time with her, they've come out to visit before, but you know, have her having her two grandparents down the street and being able to, cause my mom, she was like, if you were in another state, I would have just flown there and been there the entire time. Cause there's no yeah. way I was not going to be with my granddaughter. Right. <laughs> so it, I, I do try to look at the, the positive outcomes of this pandemic. And I think also, and I'm, it, we kind of talked about it a little bit. It made me realize who is willing to to fight for humanity, you know, mm-hmm. because that's what's so important and, and, and who is willing to lo- actually love their neighbor. So I, I'm grateful for this time because I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about people, good and bad, unfortunately, but I think it was a necessary, even though we're still going through it, but it was a necessary journey that we all had to kind of take together to just kind of wise up a little bit. One hit pause also, because we're always so fast paced, you know, with social media and our lives and everything. But I, I'm grateful for the the last year and a half, to be honest, when I look back, I think more positive came out of it than bad as a whole. And that's yeah. just my personal experience. Yeah. I, I agree. And I know that's not the case for everyone. Um, but uh, having had now, this is kind of our third time of staying at home. We yeah. only stayed at home a lot for my husband and then for our son. Yeah. And, and when we went through it with our son at the end of it, I remember saying, I'm so thankful that his cancer is gone, but I don't know how to reenter society because mm. we had such great time at home as a family. We really prioritized what mattered. And, and then I got, I got a, a bonus third year of staying at home, which had its negative parts for sure. But I do think there is something about the, the slowness and stilling of our, our minds and hearts and souls that our society needs. And I think for some, our lives will forever be changed in how we, re- we prioritize our family and our lives. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Leslie, I am just so glad that we were able to chat and I love your perspective. I love your heart. I love that I can get spiritual with you. I always love, love being able to have those conversations about faith and understanding. And I know since you're a writer, I would love for you to share your website and also where people can follow you on social media just to keep up with your advocacy and everything that you're doing. Sure. I would love that. I have a blog website. It's lesliem.com, L-E-S-L-E-Y-M. And then all my social media links are on there. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. My Instagram is private, but I'll, I'll approve people I go through. And I have kids that are at an age now that I'm really wrestling with what does their privacy look like yeah, on the internet. Yeah. And I yeah. have not landed anywhere solid. So thus my Instagram is private, but I'll probably approve a stranger. <laughs> Which is totally it takes up, but, time. You know? Social media is so hard to navigate. It's so hard. I like joke I'm, with John. I was like, Santa's not gonna ever even know what Instagram is. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was such a joy speaking with you. And to the listeners, make sure you follow her, catch up with her blog and her writing, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye. <laughs>